Welcome to Sisters in Stoke. I'm your host, Megan Burks, a certified professional coach specializing in ADHD and embodiment practices, steel mace flow enthusiast, and recovering perfectionist whose life has been guided, for better or for worse, by the motto, let's fuck around and find out. On this podcast, I interview women and those who identify as women who have done just that and whose honesty, bravery, vulnerability, and curiosity have helped them find their stoke, the thing that lights them up and has shaped their relationship with their body, their spirit, and the world around them. I share the stories that inspire me so that you too can find your stoke. Welcome back to the Sisters in Stoke podcast. I am your host, Megan Burks, and I have with me today, Kanoa Green. Kanoa is proof that athleticism, strength, and confidence can come in all shapes and sizes. Internationally celebrated fitness trainer, yoga instructor, and outdoor adventurer, and many, many more things that we're going to jump into. She is creating space for plus-size bodies in the outdoor industry. She is redefining what plus-size bodies can do how they are perceived, and where they can go. Kanoa, welcome to the Sisters in Stoke podcast. And tell me, what are you stoked about? Oh my goodness. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. Uh, <laughs> uh, what am I stoked about? I'm stoked about being here. Is it is it a free-for-all? Anything? <laughs> Anything. Go for it. I am so to have this conversation. I know we've been chatting for a while. So to sit down and have this conversation, I'm really excited. Yes, uh, so am I. And it's, um, what's really interesting to me, I was trying to recall this week before this interview, how I actually found you. And I can't remember, it was a podcast. I think it was a surf podcast. It was a while ago though. So I've been right. following you online for years and what was so, uh, so just so exciting for me as I was preparing for this was seeing how much growth you've experienced just since then, because it was only a few years ago and right. I have got to watch you as a voyeur, which is kind of creepy, but it's kind of cool. I have gotten to watch you in real time, continuing to change your relationship with your body, what it can do, where it can go, um, which is just so awesome to be watching that unfold as it's happening and what that looks like for you. So for those of you who don't know anything about Kanoa, I'm going to let her fill you in because I believe, and I could be wrong about this, so please correct me if I'm, if I am, you have a background in corporate years yes. ago yeah so yeah how did you go from working in corporate to being an outdoor adventurer fitness trainer yoga instructor, traveling all over the world literally at the beginning of this I was like where are you weren't you there last week you know you are everywhere right now which is so cool how did that happen uh yeah before we even get into that i even more excited because it's true. I think so many people pop into my life now and they see kind of where I'm at now, but to talk about really the evolution and for the fact that you've gotten to see that and evolve in real time, it's just, and in such a short amount of time, yeah. which is wild. 
So we'll get to talk about that because I did start, like I actually went to school for opera singing. So it was my first career (laughs) and what I pursued both of my college degrees in. But then once I finished grad school, I knew that that wasn't the path for me. And so my first job out of grad school was in the corporate space in New York City. I was a corporate recruiter in-house, you know, hiring people, (laughs) giving them their first job, their dream job, helping them escalate their career, um, and really just fell into that and excelled in it. I loved the connecting with people part. um, And it really, it actually helped shape who I am today because I was very shy to talk to humans, period. Like (laughs) my coworkers had to write scripts down for me to just have normal conversation because I was so just uncomfortable, but I really did love connecting with people and hearing their stories and felt really invested in them and their career and their growth and encouraging them on their path. But soon into that career, I knew it wasn't going to be the long-term thing for me. I, and I was speaking to a lot of women who had to sacrifice their time, their lifestyle, doing life on their own terms. And it was in those conversations where I knew for a fact that that was not going to be the long term for me. And it took four years for me to live out my corporate dream, <laughs> that reality, until I was like, okay, it's, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's not this. And yeah. I put in my resignation. I didn't have a plan A, B, C, E, F, G. Like there was no plan. I didn't know what I was going to do because at that point I knew it wasn't opera singing and I knew it wasn't corporate. So (laughs) I was like, what now? And I just opened myself up for whatever it was. All I knew is that I wanted to live life on my own terms. And it was the biggest thing for me was I knew that I was going to move forward, not looking for my dream job, but creating my dream life. Like I knew that that was the focal point. And I knew that I wanted to encourage women and whatever it is that I wanted to do. And fitness just came to mind, honestly, as a hobby first, because at that time we were not in 2014, 15, we were not seeing the representation that we do today of plus size bodies, of body diversity and fitness, not by any stretch of the imagination. I was Googling, I was searching. There was maybe one or two people out there um, who were doing it low key, you know, because you really had to search to find those people. So for me, it was this thought process of, I don't think I could ever do that as a for real kind of career, but maybe I could do it as a hobby, as a way to encourage myself, maybe one other person, maybe my best friend, my mom. And it was taking those like little steps of faith that I could, that eventually it did evolve into this place and and it definitely took years to get there where I really stood in the reality of I can make a difference in this space I belong in this space and then through my fitness journey I discovered that I have strength to do a lot of things besides yeah just moving for myself but I can paddleboard and I can surf and hike and that's what gave me the confidence and actually had built the pathway for me to then open the door in the outdoor space. I had done so much in fitness in such a short amount of time in representation and just breaking down boundaries that I could also see in the greater landscape that there was more work to be done in those different outdoor spaces. And that's how it just, you know, I followed that path. It happened very organically. I had no roadmap. I had no idea I would end up where I am today, (laughs) which is 
wild. And I am sure even you having followed that journey may have even sensed a little bit of that. It's just been this organic growth, which has been so exciting. Um, it's so much jam. <laughs> well, and I like, this is so important for people to understand. And I've actually just had, as you were speaking, I have had a memory come back to me and gone, oh my God, that's right. So at the end of, in 2019, so this would have been when I was, I think maybe I was following you and I was listening to this podcast and it was when you were talking about leaving that job with no plan. Right. And that was the year for the first time I left a job with no plan. So I'd always had something else lined up, something to go on to. I have ADHD. So I've done a lot of contract work in my lifetime. Like I don't, I'm not someone who's going to be in a career for 25, 30, 40 years with an organization. But that sense of what you're talking about, because we get so overwhelmed and we think, well, how's this going to happen? And how's that going to happen? And the ability to hold the vision Mm -hmm. and simultaneously be aware of the fact that you actually don't need to figure it all out before you get started. And you can, in fact, take the next step, just the next right step. What is the next right action? Which opportunity do I follow next? Where do I go from here? And being able to be in that space of that both and the big and the little, the micro, the macro, whatever you want to call it is a skill. And it can be really challenging because fear comes up, especially financial stuff comes up for people, but how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to live? But that sense that you're speaking to, which is when we connect ourselves to a greater purpose and we just trust that intuition about this is where I'm meant to be. This is for me is, is so life-changing. Absolutely. And for you to have been doing that in a space where you're going, this is for me, I meant to belong here. We're, we're looking around and we're seeing thin white women predominantly. That's still often right. what we see, especially in the yoga space, the surfing space. Um, the change that has happened, reflecting back on how quickly that seems to have happened and also how slow it's actually still right. happening you know? Yes. And so, so then you start fitness, you've got this hobby, you're kind of going, okay, I like this. This is feeling good. Mm, I'm getting these little, you know, I'm getting the little fist bumps from the universe. This is this, this is that. How do you go on then from that? What's the next step to becoming literally an internationally recognized and acclaimed fitness trainer? It is, you said something and it's actually one of my mantras that I've used for probably this entire journey is taking your next best step forward because it is so easy for us to get caught up in the 10, 20, 50 steps ahead. And we think, like you said, have to have it figured out. And it can be paralyzing because we don't know what those 50 steps are supposed to be, (laughs) let alone what they are. And so it's always just been what is the next step? And it's always been just asking myself those questions when you're at a fork in the road and you have to make a decision. It's like, is this, is this in line with where I want to go? And that's, I think been the big thing because I knew I wanted to create the life of my dreams. I knew that I wanted to own my time and do things on my own term and encourage women. So every time I was presented with something, I would ask myself, is it in line with those things? Am I still honoring that which is the core of my joy and what gets me fueled. 
Is it that? And I've made some missteps. Like there are times where you get excited by the shiny things. I'm not going to lie. Uh -huh. You know, certain brands reach out, certain opportunities present themselves. And you just really kind of throw that out of the window because you're like, I just want to do that thing. And it, and it's fine because I feel like that was the, the step that I wanted to take. But then you learn and you sit in that for a while. And then sometimes you have to make that hard decision of, okay, I made a mistake. That's not in line. It's not taking me down that path. And you redirect. And honestly, I can't ever say that anything has been planned. It is literally things have presented themselves, doors have opened, and I have had to ask myself, do I step through it or do I close it? And that's literally what has happened in this whole scheme of where I find myself. It's a series of just that. So, I mean, there is, I wish I could say, oh yeah, I had this strategy. I've been manifesting all of it. No. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It was not on a vision board. There was yeah, yeah. I get that. That's very much how I operate. I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Yep. Literally. Like we're figuring it out as we go. And you just have to keep putting that mirror in front of you. And I think if I didn't have those set core values of what is it that matters to me, who knows where, because it could have looked very messy, but because I, I took that time in 2014, asking those questions that every time I took a step forward, it at least had a compass that helped navigate me to where essentially I was meant to be. Like I can say, even at the beginning, owning my own life, doing it on my own terms, encouraging women, it is the same thing that I'm doing now that I said I was going to do when I left corporate in 2014. Yeah. And this is what you just said about having that connection to getting really clear on what are your values. Yes. So what what do you stand for in this world? And then getting clearer still about what does it practically look like to be in my integrity with maintaining those values and having, you know, this is where we all create our own North Star or compass or, you know, I get my clients to, they create like a, a triangle of what are the three things that we're going to measure opportunities against and it has to hit at least two. Right. If it hits one, it's a no. If it hits all three, it's a unicorn. Say yes immediately and run with it. If it hits two, we need to talk about it. Like that kind of thing. Having that anchor point because the world, I mean, that could have been great for you to have this great big plan in 2015, 16, 17. And then we had a pandemic. We had a global pandemic. Nobody saw that coming. You know, no like one. nobody saw that coming. And this is where one thing I think that the pandemic has actually been great for is a reminder for all of us that sure you can plan you can prepare that can make us feel more comfortable if that's how your brain operates that's great go with it but we also need to be able to operate from a space where we're focusing in a much bigger way on the energy that we're connected to as opposed to like the tangible Absolutely. details of how it's all going to happen Absolutely. You know? yeah and it can be such a a crutch, so to speak, because if you don't have those, it can be easy, easy to say yes to the things that provide you stability, fi yeah. financial stability, comfort. There are definitely times, especially early on when I made that decision, I had resigned from this position and immediately was asked to come back to my old job. Uh, people that I had worked with before who'd moved on to other companies asked me to work for them. I mean, I had so many opportunities. And if it was, it could have been easy 
especially without a plan and not knowing where how I was going to pay anything. <laughs> it was like, yeah. how am I going to feed myself? It could have easily been about me accepting that thing that I found comfort and stability in. But because it did not align with what I had set for myself, I had to say no. And it is hard because I think so many of us are conditioned. I know for me and my family, it was you, you do this for stability yeah. <laughs> to provide for yourself and your family. And so for me to go against that, like it definitely was scary. And it took, it took a while for me to really finally realize that I was meant to do this and that over time things, the right things would come into play. And it almost felt like, I mean, a lot of people say you're an overnight success and it can look like that because people don't see the yeah. four or five years when you were doing this for free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The hustle. Absolutely. They don't see you like falling apart and crying to your friends. Like, did I make a mistake? Like that, that probably did not make it on my Instagram story. No, they don't <laughs> you see know? you at two o'clock in the morning being like corporate head hunting jobs in wherever you are at the moment. You know, <laughs> all of those things that we do to increase that comfort and that stability. Yes. And this is where, you know, comfort is a challenge in that, I mean, our nervous system needs some comfort. None yeah. of us want to operate in fight or flight all the time. There's, there's detriment the to that. There's challenge to that. I think we all know this after the last couple of years, some, some stability is good, but learning to create that stability as the foundation for you then to go and explore and try different things. And I think that that stability, I know for me, that stability is very much within myself. And all of the things that are happening around me, money, house, cars, kids, like all of that, those are details. And I'm not saying that to be dismissive, like, oh, easy peasy. I mean, they clearly have a huge impact, but life is like that. And those things are going to come and go and they're going to change. And we can't actually rely on anything. And when the pandemic kicked off and everyone was like, oh, you know, I've lost control. I'm like, no, you've lost the illusion of control. You never had, it. Mm. never had it. Because you could have found yourself in this exact same position. You've lost your job. You don't know how you're going to pay your bills. Your health is deteriorating for a million other reasons. And it was just because it happened on such a big global scale. And so many people were experiencing it in so many different ways that I think it felt so overwhelming. But I think for some people, they were able to really get that sense of, I never had control anyway. And that's actually a really freeing like that whole, there's a, there's a, a Buddhist mantra that someone sent me once that was like, relax, nothing is under control as opposed to everything's under control. And I was just like, yeah. yeah, like when we can actually sit into that and embody it, oh boy, that opens up some door. Cause that allows you like that's no, I feel like exactly that. I feel like that's really when everything kind of opens up because in that control, yes we're forcing ourselves, we're forcing things around us. And sometimes in that forcing, we haven't made space for the things that are truly for us. You know, it's just, mm. you're trying to control situations and we don't have sometimes the wisdom to see what is that thing. And I will tell you, like, I ha remember having this conversation. Um, I had been in the developments of my own app. We went through the whole shebang. And the, the crazy thing is that they had presented me with the opportunity. I had turned it down twice before. <laughs> I 
And I was finally like, okay, I'm in it. And we created this thing. And during the post-production is when I sat there and I was like, yeah, I don't think I can do this beyond now <laughs> because I realized to make it really equitable, the amount of time that I would have to spend creating workout content. And this was during the pandemic when everyone was, was asking, every brand was asking, oh my goodness. I was like working out all the time, 24 seven for other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What everybody wanted. So by the time we got to post-production, I was like, there's no way my body is going to sustain this. Yeah on a whole other level. And I had to have that conversation of, you know, I don't, <laughs> that's a hard conversation. Okay. We've invested all this money and time and FYI, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Before it even launched. <laughs> before and I could have been in this whole thing of, no, I have to make it work. It has to be perfect. I have to control all the circumstances surrounding this, but I honestly didn't have the energy to do it where I was like, this is what's at the, what my heart is saying to me and literally had that tough conversation. And within a week, a major international fitness brand had reached out and asked me to do something in fitness that I would not have been able to do had I forced yeah. myself to make this app work. And that's probably one of the big things that helped me push this control, this need to control or this yeah. force sense of <laughs> controlling this this false sense of controlling to kind of put that inside and say, you know what, if, as long as I follow my heart and I'm in line with my values, everything's going to work out. It, yeah, it is. Yeah. Because you've got that connection to what's actually most important and that, yes. you know, and that's where, and to be able to recognize that, to be able to have that conversation, I always have a giggle when I hear when, when someone shares with me that they said no to something, I'm like, yeah, which is really funny because in my twenties, my friends were saying yes to things. They were saying yes to jobs or promotions or having families or traveling. And I was like, yeah, let's say yes to everything. And now for me, I'm in my forties. And when my friends are like, oh my God, I got this huge offer this week. And I said, no, I'm like, good for you. Because we <laughs> have to say no to have space to say yes. And we, it's, yes. it's so, it's so hard when the universe dangles those shiny little things in front of you. And they're like, yeah. do you really want it? Are you going to wait for what you really want? Are you going to take this thing I'm offering you right now? It's hard to say no to those things, you know? And it's a muscle. It is an yes. absolute muscle that you have to strengthen. And I feel like the first dozen times it was terrifying because there is a sense of FOMO. You're like, am I going to miss out on something Ugh. really great? Is anyone going to ask me to do anything ever again? Maybe that's my one chance. And I really did let that dictate especially the beginning of COVID, because again, as a fitness person, as an outdoor person, you know, that's uh, industries that were really excited to get people pulling in. And because I had already been in this space long before a lot of people were there, you know, I was top of mind and I did fall into that for the, for 2020, I admittedly did, whereas yeah. I literally thought this is my time. I have to say yes to everything. And by the end of that year, I was so burnt out. Yep. It yeah. was just, I could still smile through it, but I could feel it really. Yeah. I could feel it at a whole level throughout me. And to the point now where I tell people, I maybe say yes to 20, 15% of things that come across. And I get excited about saying no. I'm like, yes, no. yes, <laughs> yes. Well, that makes me feel even more special that you said yes to being here with me today on this podcast. I'm like, oh, 
oh, I'm in like the top. This is very exciting. I mean, it was exciting. But I shared on my social media. I had said no for for podcasts over the last eight to nine months because I had gotten to a point where I knew I needed a break. And so, but I, and even then it took us a while to schedule this because I was very mindful about my boundaries and when I knew I would have the energy and the space to do this. Yeah. And these conversations, it's so funny because for people that don't podcast and don't engage in these kinds of conversations, which is the majority of people, I'm sitting here, it's, you know, 630 in the morning for me. This is an amazing way to start my day. This is fun. I'm having a good time. I'm in my element. This is my jam. But I will get off this call and be like, oh, I need a couple rounds of because my nervous system is like, Woo, you know, <laughs> and so I, like it became very clear to me when I started this that I can't do two or three interviews in a day on top of right. my clients. Like, and so that process of honoring ourselves is hard, but we, it, it's a must, like we absolutely, we just have to do it. And so to be having this conversation and sharing with people about the lessons you've learned, the mistakes that you've made, I think is such an important one because especially for people who are engaged in the online space or they own their own business or they're content creating, there is the, the quote unquote overnight success of the, you know, the thousands of hours you put in, but there's a tipping point, you know, yes. you do that one post, that one reel, it goes viral, you get approached and everything comes flooding in and you think, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. I'm going to seize the day. And then six months later, you find yourself crying in bed because the joy has gone out of your life because physically and emotionally, we cannot sustain, we are not meant as animals to sustain that level of output to at that capacity it's like sorry we're humans we have to remember that sometimes you know so I mean you're saying things that we all needed to hear for forever (laughs) yeah yeah well you're saying these things too and so that's something I've always appreciated about your socials is you have shared some of that the tiredness and the need to take a break which I think is really important for us to see online in terms of representation, in terms of diversity, yes, there is diversity of bodies and shapes and sizes and colors and background and circumstance, all of those things. But we also need that balance in what people are sharing about. Sometimes this is really hard. My yes. life is not just adventuring, having fun, and to be sharing, you know, here's what I do to fill my cup kind of thing. Yeah. Here's when I know I need to step back because you are a busy woman which is what I, what I want to hear about now. So I want to hear about surfing, first of all, because I am a surfer. I am a perpetual beginner surfer. I think I got out, I don't know. I got out a lot more this year than I had the last couple of years. I think I stood up maybe twice, but I had a great time every day. Um, I hadn't surfed for years. One of my sons came with me this year. He was old enough, which was exciting. He could paddle out with me. And surfing for me is a very spiritual thing. There's a real connection that I have with surfing as opposed to some of the other movement modalities that I practice mm-hmm. where the world just for this little split second that I'm standing up before I can even be like, what? before I fall off the board, <laughs> everything just kinds of fades away. Mm. And you came from a surfing family yes but did not think that surfing was for you 
So I would love to hear a little, cause I want to hear about rock climbing. I want to hear about the adventure retreats that you're running your yoga. There's so much I want to hear about, but for me, surfing was how I found you. That was, that was how yeah. I'd heard about you. So I'd love to for you to share a little bit with the audience about yeah. that experience of being like, okay, this isn't for me. Oh, maybe this could be for me. Like, hell yes, this is for me. Right. I mean, like you said, I came from a family of surfers, you know, originally from Hawaii. This is where my family is from, a native Hawaiian. So surfing was very much embedded in yeah. my family. Uh, but one, in our family, the women didn't do it at all. Um, and not, and I don't think that was, I don't think that was a stigma, but it just, maybe it was just, yeah. it happened to be that way. Uh, but for me being plus size, I had never seen someone with my body out there surfing before and it I was never invited to surf. it was just you know yeah um and so I never envisioned that for myself but I in this journey of discovering strength in my body through fitness and then translating that into outdoor adventure for me surfing was the thing of you know proving to myself if I can do anything like if I can do that, then I can do anything. Cause I had already ventured into hiking, really loved it. Um, but I was like, surfing just is so, I mean, come on, there's a board and there's water and you're standing on like, yeah. what? surfing's hard. It is not I an mean, easy sport for most people to pick up. Not at all challenging, but then, you know, surfers make everything look so graceful. So Thank I was you. thinking, it, yeah, I was like, if I can conquer this, oh, I, I can conquer the world in my own mind. And that's kind of where it started. And it was a little tumultuous because I shared like in 2016 is when I originally wanted to take my first surf lesson, but I couldn't find surf gear out there in my yeah. size. And it deterred me from trying again until 2018. So two years. And that year I was like, you know, what? I don't care. I'm, like, I'm just going to go out there and do it. Um, and I had the opportunity to go to Costa Rica for the first time and surf. And it was just exhilarating. I mean, the first few days it was tough because I literally carried the weight on my shoulder. Like there was so much expectation of, I have to do this yeah. for me and to prove almost to the world. Like it almost su superseded me and was like, I had to prove this to the world that it's possible. We can do these things. So when I didn't stand up initially, I was, I was super hard on myself and it yeah. took my surf instructor to say, listen, this is about having fun. <laughs> like, yeah. Like let's calm down. Know, right. It's not it's not that serious. And I had kind of like a come to Jesus. And then going in the day after that conversation and then stand like having fun, but then standing up like over and over and over again. And I came from that experience with just such a sense of yes, self-accomplishment, but also just finding something that I really had fun doing. Yeah. I wasn't worried about all the other stuff or that. You know, there wasn't clothes out there for me to wear surfing. It was just a time for me to celebrate my body and it in emotion mm. and being athletic. It was just there was such a removal from the fitness space where a lot of times people are judging my body. I'm judging my own body. None of that was happening as I was surfing and really yes. in the moment of having fun. And I wouldn't be able to do that again because I live at that time solely in Orlando, Florida, about an hour away from the nearest beach, which is Cocoa Beach. A lot of people go there to surf, but if you're from here, it's really, not, it's not. Eh. Yeah. 
Yeah, and especially like my first serving experience being in Costa Rica. I was like, yeah, I'm not loving this. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't be until 2021 or 22 when I was back in Costa Rica, a different area specifically for a surf project got to surf, loved it, loved that particular beach because it was great for beginners. And I knew then that I would move, I would make it so that my life could accommodate me living there and surfing more and making it part of my life. So last year was when I spent the first two months in Costa Rica. I was like, do I really love this or do I love the idea? And I did, I carved out two months. I surfed as much as I could, loved it. I just spent another two months there this year. I'm going back for another two months later this year. Like now I split my time uh, between Orlando and Costa Rica just because I want surfing to be that much more of my life, my daily life um, to make it happen. Cause I, I love, I'm obsessed. Okay. Yeah. Well, like most people I know, there's very few people I've ever met in my life. Maybe I just don't meet these people who are like, yeah, I tried it. I was good at it, but I didn't really like it. Like people are frothing to surf and before <laughs> I even started surfing I was at so I, I'm on the east coast of Australia we've got amazing I mean we also have sharks which I don't love but we have you know we've got incredible surf here and I was in the car park one day and these these men were coming in from a surf the break was going off it was really it's amazing waves and one guy was headed out one guy was coming in and he said to his friend how good was it and he goes oh mate I've been out there for four hours it's so good out there I shit in my wetsuit and I was like and I thought that was like a turn of phrase. And then he was like, do you know where the hose is? And I was like, oh, this man actually pooped in his own wetsuit because he didn't want to get out of the water. <laughs> now, I don't love surfing that much, just to be clear. However, yes. you can, you know, that for me, it's always just one more, just one more, one more wave. I'll just, I'll just see if one more set rolls in one, you know, and where right. I surf, there's a reef and then the rocks all start to come out and I'm like, okay, it's time to go. Like my board can't get over right. these. Um, but that that change that you made to change your life so that you could be and I love what you just said about do I really love this or am I in love with the idea of it because there's there's a difference there there's lots of things something I really love about the age and where I am in my life now is that I'm really good I can look at things and be like nope I love the idea of that I'm actually not willing to do the commitment and the work and the effort it would take like I always wanted to climb Mount Everest and now I'm like, no, I just want to tell people I've done that. I don't actually want to train, <laughs> right. and, like go through the logistical nightmare. I interviewed someone a few weeks ago who's climbed Everest. I was like, I don't want to do any of that. I right. just want to be like casually dropping into conversation. Yeah, I summited Everest, right? And I know that about myself now. And there's no shame. There's no guilt attached to not wanting to do the work. Because again, I say no so I can say yes to things that are meant for me, right? Yes. So you surf. And you get this moment of like, I'm, I'm strong, my body, that connection to our body. So for me, my own journey with my body was decades of disordered eating, abusive mm. over-exercising. Um, and then I kind of went through, you know, it's up and down. My weight's been up and down. My capabilities have been up and down. My relationship to movement, to food's been wild and crazy but then I really hit a point a couple of years ago where I didn't get straight to the body positivity. I got to the neutrality. I got to that stage where I just like, I wasn't thinking about it. If I did think about it, I had no attachment to the thoughts. There was no mm-hmm. judgment. I wasn't basing my self-worth any longer on what size I was wearing or how much I weighed. Cause I wasn't weighing myself. 
And now it has shifted with time to a place of real deep celebration of this meat suit that I'm walking around in, you know, and when I'm swinging a kettlebell or I'm a steel mace flow coach and not only using my own mace, but passing that on to other women and watching their relationship with this implement develop, being in the water, climbing. I'm just so grateful for what my body can do because there were so many years it couldn't do those things. A, because I was treating it badly and it didn't have the energy or because I was too scared to be in those situations because I didn't have the confidence and the self-belief to be there. And so I know that you just in the last couple of months or in the last couple of years, I guess, but you've become a yoga instructor, correct? Yes. And you've just yes. done aerial, aerial yoga as well. Yes. And you have mm -hmm. rock climbed outside for the first yes. time which is huge. Like I spent years climbing indoors. And then the first time I went outside, I was like, oh, this is not the same. I do not. That is not the same. I was like, I needed a whole <laughs> disclaimer and a rundown before that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and you skied. Yes. First time. So yes. Like, this is where it's just like, oh, like you're so lit up right now. And I'm so lit up because watching how your life has just like exploded with possibility when we start to say yes. And then yes. tell me a little bit about your, so you've got an adventure company as well. How do you say, is it Nicoa? Nicoa yes. Adventure? Yep. And that really is based on this recognition that we don't see a diversity of bodies in the outdoor space. That's changing. There's been a lot more discussion about that. Outside Magazine has done some great articles over the last couple of years about seeing just different representation on the hiking trails, Absolutely. you know, and encouraging that kind of thing. But you have been someone who's been in this space and you've gone, look, I can do this. So how can I now take this beyond me and build a community where I can support people to get into the outdoors because we know what it brings to our life and you recognize the barriers to that. Yes. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how this adventure company came to be and what that's been like for you to be that person who's creating what the market needs. Yeah, it's, I mean, it really just had come out of, and I will say, give all credit to just my community and my social media following, because I had come back from that original 2018 surf trip to Costa Rica to a lot of people who were excited about what I had just accomplished and wanted that for themselves yeah. and had asked, where can I go? Like, is there a place that specializes in plus size surfing, you know, helping plus size beginners? And I had done some research and I didn't find anything. And it's one of those things where I, I still get surprised as much as I've been in this space and I know what is not out there. I yeah. still get surprised when I don't find it. And I, yeah. it was really a moment of, surely I'll find something somewhere in the corner of this planet where it exists. And there was nothing. And for me, I felt an extreme sense of responsibility of, you know, what? I had the confidence to go out there and do this. And I discovered that I, I can put money where my mouth is and I actually can do this thing. Yeah. So then it's just a matter of creating this situation that gives people a safe space to do this. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I, if no one else was doing it, 
at least let me do something. I'd never done a retreat before. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. But I was like, let's just do something small to at least open the door and help people because I, and you said something that was great because we do see a lot of representation that's out there. A lot of brands in fitness and in the outdoor space have opened the door to body diversity in the space. What, where I found the disconnect is, you know, I was being asked to be in a lot of magazines and work with a lot of brands and on billboards. Um, but that doesn't help anyone actually no. do the thing. Yeah. So I think it's fantastic, you know, being probably the first plus size surfer ever in a magazine that was inspiring to so many people. I mean, Elizabeth Kirby surfer girl talks about all the time. Her seeing that picture is what inspired her to start her movement yeah. and doing what she does, which is incredible. Yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. But seeing that is inspiring but how would that help someone actually then go to their local surf school and then know that that school is going to have the board, they're going to have instructors that make them feel comfortable and confident surfing in that body, knowing how to instruct a body to pop up that may not pop up in a way that they've yeah. taught anyone else. And that was where I felt like that's that's where I can use my strength because that's what got me excited is the is the helping other people figure it out. They don't know what they don't know to help these people. And then these people also don't know what they need. They've never surfed before. So no, they don't know what they to have no ask idea. for and advocate for. No idea. Um, and so that was the creation of like the very, the world's first plus size surf retreat in 20, was that 2019 is when we started that 2020, it was supposed to happen. And then COVID happened. Yeah. So Something else back. happened. <laughs> The universe had something completely, something else planned. Um, but it gave me time to really lean into this. Um, because at that point, when I had created the first retreat, the issue of I wanted an yoga instructor to be, I wanted yoga to be a part of that experience. Finding a plus size yoga instructor then, especially local to wherever I wanted to have it, was like the impossible task. Mm -hmm. And I had looked at a couple destinations and trying to find a plus size yoga instructor in those areas. We just couldn't do it. So then that's in that time of COVID, it allowed me to then go become a, a yeah. certified You're like, well, instructor. I guess it'll have to be me. I was like, well, I, I'm going to be at my retreat. So I might as well be the one yeah. <laughs> leading the yoga. Um, so we did that. And then this year, earlier this year, I was certified as an aero yoga instructor. That was something that I had started in my surfing journey because I thought, well, if I'm going to do surfing and that's to me was like extreme athletic sport, then I was like, I need extreme yoga so yeah, yeah. <laughs> and loved it. So finally getting certified in that. Um, but then there's always been this sense of, I plan on opening the door, not just for surfing, but as many outdoor activities as I can. I mean, hiking was one of those things I loved the first outdoor sport, essentially that activity that I fell in love with paddle boarding. Um, that's why I ventured into skiing this year, because I knew that that was going to be the thing. One of the things that we tapped into. So when I was invited to have my very first ski trip this year, I almost said no, because it went through the thing of, will it take away from my time and energy from other things? It would happen. It was going to happen right before I went to Costa Rica to lead a retreat. So then I thought, well, I can't get injured. That would be Yeah, I know. That's, that's a valid concern with skiing. 
right? I've heard yes. stories. So mm -hmm. I was really kind of calculating. And then I thought, you know what? It presented itself at such a time that I I felt like this is supposed to be yes. Like yeah. I'm supposed to say yes to it. And it, everything worked out amazingly. Um, went to Colorado to rock climb. And so these are all the things that I'm tapping into because I want to help open the door. And it's not just creating this space, um, but people listening to this may not know in a lot of these sports, the equipment and the apparel, yeah. the technical apparel, a lot of times still does not exist in market um, at a level that anyone who's plus size has access to it. Yeah. And so for me, it's, I have to explore this sport. I have to understand what that experience is like. And then I work with brands and I have to work on the back end, things that people will never see um, at how to, and advocating and helping these things become like a real thing so that people can actually use them to in the sports that they're interested in. Yeah. And like what you are doing and what I think is so important about this conversation is that there are practicalities involved with having plus size people doing certain activities in sports. So it's, it's one thing to be inspirational and be like, outdoors. that's great. Can I find a climbing harness to fit me? You know, can I find ski boots that are going to fit on my calves? Can I like, and with surf apparel, you know, we started to see, or I started to see the evolution of bikinis and swimwear that fits plus size bodies, yeah. but we need wetsuits and wetsuits that fit plus. I mean, wetsuits are terrible and hard to get on and off. That is like, I get my wetsuit on sometimes and I'm like, well, that's my workout. I have no energy <laughs> left for surfing. Like some days it's really hard. And my girl, you know, you're going to peel them off each other at the end or you drive yes. off and get it off because your arms are so noodled. Um, and so this is where, and again, like to say, oh, you know, I, I run a yoga class and it caters to bodies of all sizes. Okay. But are you versed in suggesting modifications? Yes. To somebody whose body has a different capability, whether that's because of size or injury or confidence. Or if you can't suggest those modifications, can you create a safe enough space that people in your class feel that they can modify as needed and or ask for help if they can't do a certain post, if they can't change it? And that's where I think there is still a gap between oh, yeah. what people are saying, like that performative, like, okay, but like, can you actually cater for my body to be part of this? activity that even, part 100 percent. even and for that's me weightlifting. huge oh i bet like i have boobs the whole like keep the bar like the bar path i'm like mm -mm. like i can't do that because it hurts like that's not a that's and explaining that to male coaches in particular they're like oh right i've never thought about them like how have you never thought about this but that's exactly the same challenge that's happening in all outdoor activities is because again you don't know what you don't know if you've never had a life experience in a larger body then yeah. you don't know what it is that you need to ask for I mean rock climbing I wanted to go with my own harness because my experience was you can say that you were size inclusive but that can mean something to a, a whole different group of people size inclusive for a lot of brands oh yes we make clothes up to a size 24. there are a lot of humans out there that are wearing sizes larger than a 24. so i went through 
the whole process of finding a climbing harness that works for larger bodies and to only really find one that's out in market. It just, it goes to show that there is such a disconnect going snow or skiing, looking for a ski bib. I ha looked at brands everywhere from Australia to Germany, Canada, across the US, only one ski bib fit that was true to size, one. one. <laughs> and you have all of these brands now who are like, yes, we're size inclusive, we have plus sizes. But for me, who's not even, again, I were maybe a 2022 and not to be able to find anything but yeah. one ski bib, that's a huge disconnect. And so that's why for me, it's, I have to do the work to make, yes, I can create a space, but I have to make sure that the tangible technical things that help people do this sport safely and comfortably and confidently exist. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm aware that we're coming up on the hour. I know we could talk for ages and ages and ages, but we both have things to get on to. The last thing I want to ask you about is there you put a quote up on your Instagram a few days ago about how we don't just stumble upon courage we cultivate it mm. when I speak to guests on this podcast or in the work that I do or even something I hear from people is oh you're so brave like you're just you're so good at and there's this this real common misconception that people who we perceive as brave or courageous they don't feel any fear mm. which is not true you know <laughs> And so when you look back at this, the evolution of Kanoa over the years, and you think about your relationship to fear and to courage, which we know practically does not just dissipate. You don't just get not scared of things at some point. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. some people do. But what is it that you say to yourself, I guess, when these opportunities arrive and you, you feel that fear, <gasps> what's the conversation that you have with yourself to cultivate that courage to move yeah. forward? Because man, you've got, you've got a master plan for your purpose in this world and you're connected to that, but you've still got to move through that fear. So how do you do that? Yeah. And I think also something to point is that the fear, it's like climbing Everest, right? It's, there are different levels. It's, you have mm -hmm. to get to base camp before you can summit, right? You have to hit those, those points. And sometimes you go to, I don't know what's after base camp. Camp one, <laughs> camp one, camp one, yep. but it, and I heard this great analogy of someone who has led um, a group of Everest, but you get to you know, camp one, but then to get acclimated, you may yeah. have to come back down to base, to camp, base camp, right? Then you go up to camp two, you come down and then you come down. And I think that's even this journey, right? You're having to condition your muscles and your mind and all the things to make it to that stuff, to make it to the end. And we kind of don't ever really arrive. I think, no, because it's, it just keeps changing. Exactly. It keeps changing, but you keep having to work that. I mean, because when I started this journey, the level of fear that I had was so, I mean, it, the level of anxiety that I would have, even just waking up and taking that, that next best step was tremendous, yeah. really tremendous because I didn't have that muscle yet. And it's just taken knowing that, yes, you can fumble. 
yes, you'll make mistakes. Yes, you might have to cry and you might have to come back down to base camp. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, breathe, collect yourself and then start that climb back up. It's okay. And it is part of the process because now, yes, I, I come face to face with fear, but I have conditioned that muscle now for yeah. seven, eight years where I already, I can look back at the ground that I've covered yeah. and look back at that and say, all I have to do is lean into the next best step and know yes. that it's going to carry me. And that's what I have. And as you take one, two steps, and now you're three steps ahead. Now you have two steps to look back on and say, I did that and let that carry you to step four and step five. It is that small. It is not yeah. this big thing. It is tiny, tiny by tiny until you can look back and say, I did all of that. Now I know I can do anything. I know I can do anything. I have the most tremendous goals ahead of me. Um, I came out of last year with just, epically huge gold. And it's funny to think that I can't say that I didn't have any fear, but it was so easy for me yeah. to just have that fear for maybe a day or two. And just yep. like, you know what? I got this though. I don't know how, I don't know how it's all going to come together. It's okay that I don't know how to do all the things and it's brand new to me, but this is the story that I've built for myself thus far. And I know that I have it. Yeah. I'm really good at saying that's future Megan's problem. Like that's, that's like, I she, love that. she will deal with that and she will have the tools and skills and strategies. And I can get caught up in sitting here and going, but what are they going to be? And I'm like, that's future Megan's problem. I don't need to know. And I love those tiny, I love actually that analogy of base camp and camp one and the acclimating because recognizing for, you know, for me, my base camp, my base camp for my clients is food, good food, nourishing food enough food, which is probably the common downfall of most women that I work with water, yes. sunlight for me, getting in the cold ocean a couple times a week in community, moving my body with joy, sleep time with people who fill my cup. That's my base camp. And yes. knowing that I can retreat back to that and to be in a place where I'm not like, Oh, I failed. I've got to go back to base camp. I'm like, Nope, I'm just going to go back to replenish. So then I can hit that summit. Then I can, and knowing also, like yes. you said, you get to the summit and you're like, oops, this isn't the mountain I was meant to be climbing. There's another one over there and it's much, much higher. I got to go to that base camp now and being comfortable with that ever shifting and to not, I'm, I'm not a patient person. Like I get big ideas and I'm like, I want them to happen now. But an analogy that my nutrition coach uses that I loved was toilet paper. And she talks about if you take one sheet of toilet paper and you lay it down, you're like, well, that's nothing. Mm. take another one and another one and she uses that for the analogy of habit stacking you know getting enough protein getting enough calories okay. in your day looking at your macros making sure you're feeling nourished with your food and you start to build those up bit by bit by bit by bit and suddenly you've got this massive stack you know and that's how this works is with these tiny tiny little steps while we hold the juice and the excitement and the energy of the bigger picture. But I think the way that we can do that, and I think the way that you're doing that is because you don't have an attachment to what the end goal is. Right. And I would say, based on watching your evolution, just in the last couple of years, 
there'd be no point in you sitting down right now and being like, all right, what's the end game here? Because I can almost guarantee that you can't even imagine how no. good it's going to get, <laughs> how big it's going to be, and the amazing opportunities that are going to come your way and come the way of all the people who follow you, who now get to have you in their life as a support to encourage them not just emotionally, but like with actual practical gear recommendations and tips and ideas because you've got skin in the game. Mm -hmm. It'd be one thing for you to be like, sure, you're plus size, you can skate. Well, do you know that? Well, yes, you do because you've gone through the process of learning to skate, you know? Um, This has been, I just wanna, I wanna go do all the things. So we are recording this just for everyone listening. It's the end of June. This won't go out till sometime in August. I am leaving overseas next week for five weeks at home in Canada with my canoe and the woods to go tromp through and the lake to swim in every day. And I just feel so fired up. I'm like, I'm going to live outside 24 hours a day. And then I'm aware the mosquitoes are going to come out. And I am (laughs) going to live outside all those days because they will eat me alive. Um, You certainly have inspired me. I know that you will inspire everybody who is listening to this episode. So the biggest gratitude to you for so many things, where can people find you? And also, I know you work with a lot of different brands and those are linked on your socials and things, but if there are any particular partnerships that you really want to give a shout out to um, and where people can find those, or is it best just to find them on your socials? This is the chance to do that. Yes. Everything is on my Instagram first, last name, Kanoa Green. Uh, And everything is there. You know, I have guides for all the different outdoor tips. I mean, again, it's been a journey and I've gotten to connect with some great people out there who are doing some of these sports long before I have and have contributed input. I mean, active swimwear, you know, I love to share, sharing is caring. So I'm always trying to create content that's a free resource for everyone that's out there. Um, because I know how daunting it can be. You're like, where do I, I want to do this thing? Where do I start? Where do I find the things? And everything is on my Instagram, the retreats, all the good stuff. It's all there. Beautiful. I will link all of that in the show notes um, because your name is not in fact canoe, um, which is, <laughs> which is, but I've got to say when I first heard your name, I was like, that's a really beautiful name because I, I'm a, canoeing is my that's one of my places in the world when I'm in the canoe that I'm just, ugh, I'm just so myself when I'm in a canoe because I've been doing it pretty much my whole life. Um, but I will make sure that I link that all in the show notes because it is a spelling that I can imagine people sending it out, come up with lots of different possibilities. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you to everybody for tuning into the Sisters in Stoke podcast. Um, if you like the content, please like it, share it, review it. That really, really helps me out as a producer. And I will talk to you all soon. Thanks, Kanoa. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Sisters in Stoke. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends. If you or somebody you know would be an excellent Stokes person, feel free to get in touch. All of the information you need is in the show notes. Until next time, I'm your host, Megan Burks, reminding you to find your Stoke.